I am Matt Bradford. You are watching Guitar Tales with Dave Cohen. <laughs> What a fun bumper. Thank you, Matt Bradford. He was a wonderful guest and he's an absolute kick-ass uh, guitar player. So we really appreciate that. Uh, before I introduce our wonderful guest we have for tonight, um, a shout out to our sponsor, Mischief Studios. They've been a great supporter of the show for quite some time. And we also want to thank, as I do every week, uh, my very close friend, uh, Scott Guitarmasist Engels, doing all the brilliant work behind the scenes and very often in front of the scenes. Actually, our guest Paul doesn't know this, but we actually already filmed a bumper tonight. Uh, we had a good time. And a strange thank you for my daughter, Hadley. Look at this cool shirt she gave me for tonight. Tipitina's. If you've ever been there, it's an amazing music venue in New Orleans, which I just got back from a few days ago. Uh, most importantly, um, our guest tonight is uh, Paul Nelson. He is probably as high in the bona fides as we've ever had as a guest. Uh, Grammy Award nominated, um, tours with Johnny Winter, played with Eric Clapton, Buddy Guy, and countless others. We were chatting um, in our virtual green room before we started, and more important than any of that crap, he seems like a really nice guy. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the most important thing. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're right between gigs as we speak. Yes, actually. And thanks for having me. This is great. I love talking guitar. Oh, <laughs> and, and you also clearly love playing it. Um, yes, yes. It's, it's kind of my life. It's my chosen profession. And, and and you're just wonderful. You know, we we one of the great things about doing what I do, I get to take a YouTube journey. Um and I was just watching all your great stuff when I cooked dinner tonight. I was listening to it and just all sorts of varied clips of you playing. We we put up a clip of you, uh, the one we were talking about before, and it blew up our site just from one little gig you played. People just loved it. Thanks. You know, when I when I when when Johnny passed, uh, I, there was no I signed with Sony, but there was no real uh, solo video of myself and my band. Right. So uh, it, it, it's, it's slowly been building, which is a good thing because now I'm up to about 180 shows a year and people get wow. to see myself play and, you know, doing uh, uh, my versions of, of songs that other people have done as well, you know, in the blues world or the rock world, as well as my originals and that kind of thing. So it's, it's, uh, well, it made it to your dinner table. So that's good. <laughs> I did. You know, it, it was so cool because I, I just pulled you up on YouTube and, you know, YouTube will go into automatic. It'll keep playing different clips. And I had it playing through a good system with a subwoofer and the guitar was blasting through. Yeah, what, what were you dining on that evening? Oh, I made it. I'm glad you asked. Uh, my daughter is with me today. Is my proof for my shirt. I made my own version of the Nobu uh, Miso Cod. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I'm honored. I'm honored. Yeah. And, and I did it at her request, and it came out pretty good. It, it's not as good as Nobu. It yeah, I got 
Well, you know, when you when you tour, you get to try all these foods that the promoters supply and the restaurants, you know, they all uh, – graciously offer you to eat at their place and try this and that right so it's uh, that's 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 a whole nother part of it you see on on all social media people posting pictures of food or a drummer here's my i ordered this or hot wings or hot sauce or this or whatever ribs so yeah we just did a midwest thing i played at uh uh buddy guys um he always sits in as a matter of fact which is very cool that's very cool but his place like bb king's yeah, you know, they, they, it's it's their place is built by musicians for musicians. Absolutely. So, so that's one of the great components, as well as the sound and the stage and the people and all this. But uh, yeah, things have been going good. I just got back. I did a whole Midwest uh, tour for about three weeks, and like I said, I'm up to about 180 shows a year now. And oh. uh, as we discussed before this, you and I. Um, uh, things have been really picking up for all the musicians about after January, March was kind of the target for everybody's tours. Right, right, right. And uh, yeah. So now uh, I can bring the word back from the, the States or the streets, as they say, yeah, uh, yeah. everything has been on the uptick, you know, people are supporting music. They're, 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 they're coming out. Uh, uh, shows are a little bit earlier. doesn't matter what the age is, but in general, uh, venues, uh, theaters, except for festivals, are all uh, you know starting it uh, a little earlier. It's just because I think uh, people have things to do, places to go afterwards, that kind of thing. Just for the music portion of a venue. You what know, do you think that? What do you think that is? Because we were we were having such a good chat, and I was annoyed at myself. We should have just started recording, but we'll we'll recreate the magic now. Mm-hmm. But. If you were to compare life before COVID, and like you said, it was later. I am so ready for this. Go ahead. Yeah. So what do you think the difference is that people want to see the music earlier? Well, I want to say I know what it is, but I, I think I do because I've, I've, I've been able to compare opinions of promoters and club owners and theater owners and festival promoters. And uh, uh, they didn't speak to each other, but I'd go to you know, uh, Delaware or Georgia or Florida or right. Kansas. And they all said, same sentence. Uh, people have been uh, uh, conditioned or, or or taught to stay home. Interesting. That's what it was. And they have to, they have to break that. They're just used to it. And it's, 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 you know, they're used to getting uh, food delivered to them. They're used to, used to the Netflix. They're used to seeing the concerts online, that kind of thing. I mean, before, before all that stuff happened, you know, it was support the music, support live music, uh, music first, music this, music that. And then all of a sudden it's like, screw that, stay home. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, wait a minute. What do we do? So there, there has to be some kind of campaign or push. To say, hey, look, I mean, there, there, there sort of is. People understand how much musicians struggled and artists in general and the aesthetics. Right. You know, as well as sports and all that. But uh, they have to understand, and I think they are now, especially when they go to the shows, because the best sounding board for the support for artists is the artists themselves saying, thank you for coming out. Thank you for Absolutely. doing Absolutely. And, and, and nothing duplicates the energy of just being with people. You no, know? exactly. Yeah. But – what what about when you when you're when you're telling people to go be with people that you shouldn't be around? Yeah. And now they need to know it's safe to, to go back in the water. 
Yeah. And I wonder, I love this theory that you're sharing with us because, you know, there, there, I think the, the safety and the warmth and the comfort and the security of home means something different now than it did four or five years ago. And I wonder if people, they want to go out, they want to be amongst others and enjoy each other, enjoy the live music, enjoy that feeling. Right. But then there's that longing, I would guess. There's that longing, all right, I did this. I need to get back to my, my cocoon, my safety. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you something weird. There, there, was a, there was a time where artists like myself, you know, uh, uh, these posts go up to to say, oh, uh, here the upcoming show. You know, it's uh, uh, get get your tickets now before it sells out. Now, during a time when you're supposed to be separate from people, it wasn't a good thing to say it will be sold out. No, that's bad marketing because that makes it a scary sounding. Exactly. Event. So you yeah. couldn't even tout your 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 popularity. Or what kind of atmosphere it's going to be? Oh, we're going to be all oh, your friends are going to be there. It's going to be packed with. No, you couldn't use words like packed and sold out and, and no. full. Wow. So, yeah. so it was. A... It, it took all the promotional end of end of it out. It's like, well, it's going to be half full, and uh, you, you'll you'll see a couple people. How how do you how do you? Right. You can't. So now it's back to that. But, yeah, but uh, sold out was becoming a dirty word or a dangerous word. Yeah, or or a dangerous sounding word. First, it was a dangerous word. Then it yeah. became a dangerous sounding but word. Now, like I said, yeah. we've, we've been out. We've yeah. uh, I've been out. Uh, you know, yeah. We've all been out. I'm saying uh, we musicians. Yeah, but I've I've seen Florida, East Coast, uh, Midwest, uh, Canada. All these. It's it's all. Improved. Everything was down about thirty percent in January. That's what that was the number that all the the the, the owners and the promoters were saying. We're down about thirty percent. That's completely changed. That's wonderful to know. I know I've been going just out all the time. You know, more and more these days, and, and life is starting to feel much more normal. But I want to go back in time a little bit. Sure. Um, yep. You know, you're reminding me. Um, Scott and I were, this show was a studio show before mm -hmm. COVID and right. we had, you know, we were in a really nice studio and then we wanted to keep the spirit of this alive. So we did, we started doing our COVID shows and then it's more than this. That's another thing that developed. Yeah. But, but here's my question for you. Um, we had this little trend. We were asking musicians for a lot of time. What did you do? And I'll ask you, what did you do during COVID when you really were separate from people to your craft, to your art? And how did you feel musically and artistically during that time? Well, the the smart ones practiced. Right. They went straight to YouTube. They yeah. studied. Uh, if they knew a little bit of engineering, they studied more to become their own engineer. If they right. knew a little bit pr about producing, they became producers. They started songwriting. And those are all the things I did. I just started recording, producing. I, I did six albums in the past year. Wow. One of them featured Bobby Rush. One featured Jerry Portnoy from Muddy Waters, G-Love, guys from Brooks and Dunn, Dwight Yoakam. These are all separate albums. So wow. I, I just, I went into that mode. I went into practice mode. And, you know, I also had a couple, you know, we all had those shows, those drive-ins that they were trying for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they'd open those up and then all of a sudden, somebody would do something wrong that didn't follow the city or the town state's regulations and they'd shut it down. Right. Right. Because some knucklehead stood up with a beer outside of his square, you know, right. 
after they said it was okay. We, we dealt with a lot of that. But, um, uh, yeah, producing, songwriting, arranging, recording, practicing, and writing for others as well as myself. That Those that could did and those that couldn't, did it. They're, they're no longer continuing on. So, unfortunately, we lost a lot of clubs. But yeah. a lot of new clubs are opening. We lost a lot of musicians that, that couldn't handle, you know, the, the, the real musicians kind of uh, stuck with it, you know? Yeah. It, it's it's such a weird thing out of, out, of, out of millions of people dying and just how horrible it was. I think it's millions. It's, um, it's a huge number. And it, yeah, it's, yeah. So, it's, so, it's so astronomical. It, 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 it desensitized the whole planet. Yeah, absolutely. The, it, to this yeah. number and it's just like god how do you how do you feel for one person when 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 you're talking millions yeah yeah it, it's crazy and then the strange thing is when you have so many people maybe yourself included grew because you knew where to direct your energies if you know i'm one of the fortunate ones who didn't you know get hurt so mm -hmm. to speak yep um, and I did all sorts of things, you know, from a creative point of view during that time and from mm -hmm. a professional point of view. And, and I, I, I felt guilty on some level because a lot of people found a way to artistically and creatively flourish right. in those strange, I mean, those surreal, strange times. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't go the route of some of those musicians that became hosts and uh, they, you know, they tried to think out of box, and all of a sudden, you're seeing these pairing up of musicians that would they'd never hang out with each other to buy a hamburger, and all of a sudden, they're 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 yeah. connected in some way because of this. And you knew the minute things got better, pfft, goodbye. Yeah, all gone, all gone. Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. But then yeah. some good ones, some funny, some funny characters did come out of it. But yes, it was it was uh, it was it was rough. But it really was. Yeah. So. And here we are today. Yeah, so, which is really, really cool because, like I said, all of a sudden my – I'm just using myself yeah. as an example. The the, the the shows just started going through the roof because the venues, now they're they're coming out of that, that dark time and they need to put asses in seats. Right, they do, and they need someone to attract those asses. <laughs> right, and it's either national yeah. acts that, that have a name – and have a reputation or some other kind of thinking out of a box event or whatever. And they're, they're all scurrying, you know, some places are open six nights a week, uh, five nights a week, just the weekends, uh, the Sunday things and festivals. And so, uh, you know, uh, uh, fortunately and unfortunately that the, the musicians are, are the guinea pigs of this reinventing the wheel, but there right. is, one, there is one good thing that's come out of this that I've noticed. Let me hear. And here it goes. Yeah. All right. Musicians and owners and promoters have never worked together more closely than they are right now. Interesting. And why? What do you think that is? Because they're desperate to get those asses in the seats. So right. they're, they're more aware of how important social media is. They're more aware of how, how, how they have to promote and, and put up a, a promotion for their shows just as much as the artists. You know, before right. the clubs used to go, oh, well, the artist didn't promote, and the artist didn't do this, and the artist didn't do that. And now it's like, well, the, the, 
the club didn't do this. The venue didn't post this. So now you're seeing incredible artwork and, and creativity to and 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 use of the, the right photos and the, the high res this and the, the right font and the and the and all these cool graphic designers to make things more appealing to people. So it, you it, there's a total there's a continental shift. Wow. Of 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 all the, the people in the business and the musicians working together. It's no longer, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. It's like, how can we do more? Here's our links. Here's where the tickets are. Here's what this, and they're on it with every band. And that's, 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 that, that's what's changed the most. It is so strange, all the good that came out of something that was so horrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, well, well, you yeah. try to find it and you, you, you know, you just, you don't want to, you don't want to rehab. It's like, I mean, the, it, it just, it just stopped recently in, yeah. the, in the eyes of the world. And, you know, but uh, yeah, it was, it was the most, it was like, I just remember it was like, it was like the, the movie Zombieland. It was, it yeah. was insane. It really was. And and I think we, we were all so happy to get back to our, our real lives. I think here we are just literally a few years afterwards and, and we sort of forget, like, like this conversation I'm having with you. I don't know when the last time I had a conversation with someone about what those years were like. No. And the thing is, there was no, there was no parade. There no. was no celebration. Oh, it's done. It's just, it's just like, okay. Yeah, let's sort of start again. So that's, that's yeah. okay. So that's, the reason why we're discussing this is because that's what's happening now. We're, it's 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 watering it down. It's it's weaning it away. And what I'm what I'm trying to say is, I've been out in the trenches. Yeah. And I, and I see it, and I speak with people, and that's the general consensus. And what I'm seeing is, it's it's picking up in a good way. That's really so. Let me get a picture. So. I know that, um, but just, there's oh, one more thing. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. <laughs> there's a lot of trios now. <laughs> that, no, and, and is that because? Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> more yeah. money per person, kind of thing, right? Yeah, and the, yeah, and the travel and the expenses and the, yeah, the whole bit. Yeah. Well, when, that's a yeah, that's a great segue because what I was going to ask you, give us a picture. I know you you just had a gig. You just you're going into another gig. I mean, 180 gigs. In a year. So what, where was the last gig before we taped this tonight? Uh, I was in Decatur, Iowa. Before, okay. before that, I was in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, Bangor, Wisconsin. Okay. Chicago. But that's, I mean, that's, we all know musicians growing up, you know, even even the Berkeley cats. I'm a Berkeley guy. Yeah. Yep. The first thing a struggling musician does is sell his guitar pedals <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, starts hawking the guitars and then they turn into a trio. <laughs> oh, that is hysterical. You know? That's very funny. And so what kind of what kind of uh, venues were you playing in those those towns? Well, Buddy Guys Legends. I mean, that that's wow. that's the cream of the crop over there. And you know, he always sits in. Uh festivals, uh uh real authentic blues and rock venues, which I love, you know, yeah. like the like uh, Steve Ray Vaughan, the El Macambo kind of uh, uh, venues, the, the, those real historic ones where so-and-so sat here and so-and-so played here and that kind of thing. So Yeah. You know. I remember, in, I think it was 2011, I had just gotten divorced, and all I wanted 
was to have to sit in BB Kings in Memphis, have a beer and listen to the house band. And I did it. Right. You know, that, that those kind of venues are just so special. Well, sometimes that house band was BB King's band. Yeah, I know. I know. And I didn't that was get his drummer. Was it Tony C? I, I don't even know, but oh, I, yeah. just so good. And just to me, the, there was some, there was a piece to sitting because, you know, you're, you're, you're at home when you're in a place like that. You know, there was a time when BB passed that I was approached by the, their management and their band to, to, to be the guitar player to, for them to go out on the road and play BB material, which was. Wow. That would be interesting. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff flying around You know, you just take it. There was such a tight band. So you see, so you just played those venues. Now, where are you right now? Are you home? Are you on the road right now? Uh, Right now I'm on the East coast in Connecticut. And then I head up to, uh, uh, Worcester, Massachusetts place called off the rails, a big, uh, it could be a thousand seater, and then okay. and then the music room in Cape Cod. Then I head up to Rockland, uh, uh, Maine, and then the island of Mantuck- uh, Nantucket for uh, uh, outdoor two outdoor shows there, and then uh, down to DC, um, uh, showing nine thirty nine thirty club now. Oh no no not that one but I do remember that one oh yeah. That's a great. That's a great place. It's a, it's a, it's nuts. It's all styles. I, I saw Hot Tuna there. Wow, many many years ago. Yeah, yeah, that place. Oh, that's so funny that you mentioned that. That yeah, well, I know that place well. Yep. Yeah, because they, they had the go go music down there uh, when I lived in D.C. many years ago. Oh Jesus. Yeah. But yeah, I play I play uh, Madam's Organ, which is like packed. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's it's there's a line around the block. It's insane. So. Yeah, DC's a cool town. It's a very oh yeah, cool oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, and then it just continues on down to Florida and then Canada and then uh, Midwest. And so yeah, right before the pandemic, I was playing. Uh, I I did the uh, G three thing in Amsterdam. Let me ask you this. Okay. Um, let's talk about your endorsements. Okay. Now we know you're a Fender guy, but um, I don't know if you're a Fender endorser. Who who are you as an endorser of? All right. Well, it all began. <laughs> uh, actually, let's see what my first first one was. Ernie Ball strings. That's when I've they heard used, of them. They used to put the names of the artists on the back of the packs. Right, right, right. Yeah, I was pretty cool. I was a big fan of those strings. Then I moved over to a D, DR, which right. was great. Great bunch of people. Did a lot of clinics, Nam show. Uh, then guitars, uh, Gibson, Fender. Both really pickups, Demarzio and Seymour Duncan. Look at that! It's like Hatfield and McCoy yeah, all exactly. at the same time. Well, because because I I perform, but I also produce. So when you're producing, it's like I need a sound, and it has to be that style of humbucker. It has to be that style of yeah. strat. I st- I st- I record. I I work with Bob Ezrin. Yep. And Terry Date. As as and I watched them like a hawk, and I learned their doubling techniques and the use of recording one guitar part and then doubling it, but not with the same guitar. Right, right. So when you have, you know, most people will double a guitar and play the same guitar and play the same part and then split it like quarter of, quarter after. Okay. Yeah. So what you do is you take a Les Paul. Right. And then you double it with a Strat. Oh, that's cool. 
You see? So, I mean, I mean, what's the use if it's not, I mean, the key is to make it thicker, right? Yep. And, and those are very distinct sounds. I like that. Yeah, exactly. So it's not yeah. out of phase, but it's, it's two people. It's like an orchestra. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you would you would double an acoustic guitar maybe with a little bit of a twelve string or or a high strung guitar where you take the uh, twelve string guitar and cut off the lower three strings. That's a okay. Nashville technique. So again, that's why the need for different products. You know, lie. I I have I was with Delaney Guitars, great guitar company. They okay. made me a, a Les Paul Junior looking guitar with with the volume knobs and the tone knobs up to eleven. <laughs> Which you know, by cool. the way i have to jump in uh, scott type it for us the name of the band you were in was it go to 11 oh was it really yeah scott was in a band called go to 11 oh well there you go that's a spinal tap yeah, yeah great spinal tap reference yeah these, these go to 11 i love that line yeah yeah so um uh so then uh i have now with uh, rios guitars which is a, a great company. They made my signature Rios guitar, uh, Fender Stratocaster-ish looking. Okay, okay. Uh, but it's got uh, some hidden uh, things that you can only get through that company. The The sound is great. It plays, it's got that glassy tone. And I tuned down a whole step. Really? Yeah, so that makes a Gibson sound Gibsonier and a, 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 a Stratocaster-like guitar Sounds stratier. And what's the name of your comp that company that makes it? Rios, R-I-O-S, Guitar Company. Very cool. Yeah, they make uh, basses as well. They made one for, uh, uh, I think it's uh, David Pistorius, Jocko's uh, relative. Uh, Very cool. Who's a quadra. Yeah, a bunch of, bunch of people. And then amplifiers, I, I've had, uh, I, I have Quilter. You know, just, just everything. And then a, a big one. Okay. Uh, a real strange one is a company called ENKI Enki. Okay. Now I saw them at a NAM show and I went up and I, I, you know, I always need flight cases, something that holds up. And I had used the ones made in England, the metal ones. Right. I mean, they're great and all, but I had to replace them a lot. So I really need something that was more durable for a long period of time and, and was lightweight and was easy to, to, to bring around. You know, I got a bunch of guitars. So this company actually started off as a crossbow company, and they realized they could put guitars in this case upright, and they could fit two guitars or two basses. So it's a, a Enki is the the case company, and uh, I think they won uh, the most innovative product at that year's NAMS. It was uh, maybe three or four years ago before the pandemic or whatever. That, that's pretty cool. And and let me ask you this: We were talking on the show tonight, and Scott and I were remarking outside of your presence about that amazing video. Is that one of your Rios guitars? No, that's right before I got that. Right before I got that 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 deal. Oh, but, okay. But um, uh, there's you, you'll see me using it a lot now. It's got a roasted maple neck, so it's a little darker. Uh, right. Still got the rosewood fretboard, but the uh, the the all the the tone controls and everything are black with a white pickguard, and um, uh, it's got Area Fifty One uh, uh, pickups in it. Very so it's, cool. It's cool. Yeah, I, I like using a, a double stacked or a thicker um, pickup in the bridge position. Okay. I, I really lean heavy on that. I rarely switch to the other pickups. They kind of just cover the holes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Now, now, what about this Strat that you play in that video? Scott's commenting that it looked kind of tricked out. Uh, it had a, it's got a, a Seymour Duncan in it. 
a little beefy. It's got it's got rails in it, but again, I don't use them. So tricked out. The only thing that that has, it's got a metal nut. So okay. it, it's the Jeff Beck model. Okay. So it has a little more sustain to it. And if yep. you notice all the Beck's guitars towards the later years, they all had the metal nut, which I'm probably going to put in, in this one because it does add more sustain. Because do you get, do you get any tinniness or any? No, no. I, I take that. I use a, okay. So now the pedal board. Okay. Uh, in my tube screamer, I always set, and I got this, I, I got the, a tip from, uh, I, I took lessons from Steve Kahn. Okay. Fusion. I was heavy in a fusion. I read and, that. And I took lessons from Mike Stern and Steve I actually. I saw um, that. Yeah, yeah. Kahn, he had the uh, the tube screamer, the, the, what was it, the tens the, with the plastic thing. Okay. He didn't have the 808s. I had the I have the real original 808, but I looked at his uh, tone, and it was set to like no high end, totally, really? totally to the left, real dark, and I liked that. You know, it was kind of like a presence knob or whatever. I'm, I'm presence is always a pain in the neck for me. I never know. Well, I I I I, I go by ear. Okay. But if you start adding too much, you get that tinniness. If you start knocking it off. So most of my settings on my amps are, and I run in stereo, by the way. Oh, really? So I always have two sets of something. They don't have to be matched. I can have two four tens. I can have two twins. I could have one P quilter. I could have a 12. I can have a 12 on one side. And it doesn't matter because they're offset. But my settings usually end up being, uh, Seven seven five, which okay. is treble seven, middle seven, and bass no more than than five. Because then, it, if you hit those low notes when you tune down the D, okay, you'll, you'll just you'll just rip the rip the cones. To, yeah, and plus you said you, you tune all your guitars a step down to begin with. Yeah, so, so that that low note is like yeah, yeah. So it, yeah, so on on the pedals to to avoid that brightness, and I always. Use uh, plexiglass always. Okay. And that's not. Uh, I have to say this now. That's not something players should fear. It's actually it's welcome <laughs> by sound people who who really take you more seriously because they they know that you're you're uh, you know you're what you're doing. You're conscious, yeah, and and you're, you're you come across as being very polite. <laughs> so. But um, that takes some of the high end out as well. Okay. Because it's less bleeding, right? Yeah. And you got to figure, you know, if you're on a giant stage, 20 feet cable or whatever, that stuff's going right under your legs. And you really don't have an idea of how loud it's being. Right. You know, you you get it out of the monitors, but they start messing around with the monitors. That's why that's another thing. I'm not a big fan of monitors for monitoring my guitar. I like my my sound to be like a PA system behind me. Yeah. Cause so then you're, you're hearing what they're hearing. Right. So that's the stereo setup. And I set the amps about a guitar body apart. Okay. Yeah. So there's a, lot, there's a lot of people that run in stereo. I, I love it. That's very cool. And, and, and now, now I, have, I have a weird segue for you. Okay. So, so one of the things we want to talk about uh, is your appearance on Letterman. And I think you were also on Jimmy Fallon show. And I had two. I had two yeah. amps then. I had two. Uh, That's stories. what I was going to ask. What kind of setup? 
for a show like reverb, that. Super reverbs with, with a ton of plexi. <laughs> Even the drummer okay. had plexi. Really? Well, what was really cool, people didn't see, was that before uh, Johnny and the rest of the band came out, okay. um, Paul Schaefer, and I knew I knew a couple of other guys in the band because I had, I had worked with the, uh, uh, a few of the players. Okay. So they are like, hey, you, you got to figure, in the, in the audience, there's 1,200 people there already. That's true. It's not a little studio, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, yeah, yeah, eight hundred, nine hundred. It's it's around there. Yeah. No. So, so you play during the commercials. Right, right, so, right. So, 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 uh, so I'm standing there, and uh, Bones Malone. He goes, "Hey, let's jam with Paul." So, so we start playing, and you'll see Letterman. If you see that clip, he'll right. say, "Now, Paul, that was the blues." Paul Schaefer. Now that's yeah. playing the blues. Before Johnny came up, we were jamming like crazy. We went; it was really cool. And then, uh, and then Johnny came out and just tore it up. He was in the best shape. It was really cool. And Letterman, uh, Letterman couldn't have been more gracious. And it was funny as hell. And you know, the whole horn section kicked in. Well, they, and he had such a kick-ass band. I mean, that was one of the hallmarks of yeah. that show. Uh, everyone loved that band. Oh well, yeah, Will Lee and Sid and Anton and yep. And the horn section, Al Chaz, uh, okay. Bones Malone. I mean, those Bones Malone was from the Blues Brothers. Wow! So going mm-hmm. all the way back to that. And I think Al Chaz was Robert Cray, maybe. Okay. Yep. That's yeah. amazing stuff. But I knew all those guys from doing a lot of work in uh, uh, with bands that they were in, as well as uh, Conan O'Brien guys like uh, uh, La Bamba and uh, uh, Pender. Yeah. But wow. yeah, that was, that was that was a big moment. That was that was that was something else. That might, what were your feelings during that? I mean, that it's funny. The stage in person isn't that big, but otherwise oh. it's as oh, big. No. As well, well, yeah, it, it it is and it is cold, you know. Everybody always said how cold it was, and it is the Ed Sullivan Theater and it's like holy crap. Right, right. You know, I I wasn't the, I wasn't part of that Beatles generation everybody watching stuff in black and white or whatever, but I knew the history in there, and I was like, "It's iconic." This yeah. is pretty big. So I did ask permission. Can I sit behind the desk? Oh wow! And I said, "There's a picture of me sitting behind Letterman's desk and holding the notes of the show." Wow! You know, throwing the pencil through the window kind of thing. That, and, that, right, right. Now, did you get pre-interviewed for that, or how did that go? Nope, nope. You just show up, you rehearse a little bit, and and it's it's taped, but it's live. Another right, live on tape. They yeah. don't, they don't. You make a mistake, it's on. Right, right. And they told us that a, a band the night before came on, and the bass player did a split, ripped his pants, <laughs> and they kept it. <laughs> So oh, I was like, wow, thanks for letting me know that. I really feel confident now. Yeah, and, and I think I read, did you do Jimmy Fallon or did you another late night show? Kimmel, Kimmel. Kim, Jimmy Kimmel, yeah, the other Jimmy. Jimmy and I were in the Persuaders, that, that band that with, with the father and the son, his okay. his, his band. And right. the, the guest uh, that night, it was South by Southwest. We were doing uh, for, for the, the, the documentary Down and Dirty. We were viewing it in Texas. Right. And they invited us on the show and asked Johnny and I to play in the uh, in the band. And um, it, Lady Gaga was one of the guests. Wow. Right. And at, at the end of the show, you could see Lady Gaga just looking over at the bandstand, looking over at the bandstand. Right. And no matter how big they were, 
she comes over and she goes, would it be okay if I got a picture with Mr. Johnny Winter? Wow. And I was like, wow. Because she was a, a club date rock singer in Long Island. Yeah, I mean, she's got she's got real street cred in, in, in that oh, world, yeah. I think. Right? So she yeah. was singing, you know, Johnny Winter stuff. Yeah. You know, back in back in the, when, when she was, you know, doing the rock thing. Right. So, yeah, but it, it was amazing the the respect that he commanded. Well, it, it wasn't amazing; it was well worth it. And I would be doing this show a horrible disservice if I didn't ask you: How did you originally hook up with Johnny? Let, let's uh, get the backstory there. We met in a studio in uh, Connecticut called the Carriage House, and uh, um, Dick Sherman was producing Johnny for the I'm a Bluesman record, soon to become I'm a Bluesman record. I actually wrote the song, and they, he named the album after the song I wrote called I'm a Bluesman. It was supposed to be a duet with he and B.B. Uh, King, but B.B. King was going through some stuff. And okay. Do it, so I had to turn it into a single. So uh, they, were, they were missing three songs. So um, uh, they asked me to if I had any material because I had gone there. I knew the people who worked at the carriage house. Okay. And, and I, uh, so we hit it off. And uh, like I said, they asked if I had any material and I did. So I submitted it and they liked it. And then to the point where Johnny said, Hey, there's some other guitar parts in there. Uh, can you play the other parts? And I go, sure. And so then we recorded and he says, well, since you're on the album, how'd you like to come and tour? I'm just like that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty wow. much. Yeah, I was recording for the the football league, the uh, XFL. I was I was I was in the studio there at the same time. So, yep. So just that little coincidence. That's and, how it happens. Wow! And we have so many other stories like that we've had on Guitar Tales. These sort of chance meetings, you know, you know, two ships that cross in the night, but then they don't. They stop. I mean, yeah, yeah. You kind of yeah. have to be in the right place all the time. Yeah. And you have to be ready. I mean, it's one thing to get the gig. It's yeah. another to keep the gig. That's true. Yeah. And, and you know, we had we had Phil X on, uh, I guess, about a month or two ago. And, and he almost turned down the opportunity to tour with Bon Jovi because he was originally going to be just an understudy in case Richie wasn't available. Right. And and the to learn an entire catalog to maybe get to play someday. Yep. And um, he, he turned on his TV on cable and right as he was about to give up and what came on, but a documentary about John Bon Jovi. And he took that as a sign. There you go. So he learned the catalog and then he gets the phone call and his whole life changed. <laughs> you know, exactly. you know? And yeah. here you are for XFL. Yep. You know, and all, you, of a, all of a sudden I'm meeting all the people in, in his entourage. And it's like, huh? The best thing was when I finally sat down with Johnny to work on a song that I had written. And there I am face to face with, Oh my God, with Johnny. And I'm like, you know what? I, I, you know, time freezes. And it's like, yeah. I look up and there he is staring me in the face and we're both playing. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm ready for this. That's, you know, Scott and I were talking about this today. Literally, I was driving back from somewhere and, and we were both agreeing that, for a musician who gigs like you, you gig and have gigged, who's yeah. out as much, even though you would expect that one in, in your position would have the jitters, you've been doing it so much and for so long, you're just ready, right? Right. And I think I think that that sense, like 
you know, when when uh, they said that expression, when they, they're sensing blood, I th I think that that ease yeah. and that camaraderie comes out immediately. Right. Because and, he, and yeah. even the uh, the the owner of the the, the studio afterwards, because yeah. Johnny was in really bad shape then. Okay. He said, you know, Paul. Uh, I don't believe in all this ESP stuff or weird like Twilight Zone stuff. But he goes, in seeing you communicate with Johnny, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, you're going to help him and he's going to help you. There's a reason why you two together. And I'm and I was like, what? 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 And then later on, I realized he was right. Yeah, that that is beautiful. He saw how we communicated and how I. I, I respected him, but was still forceful and made sure that he got things done and in, yeah. in the recording. And I said, let's try this again. You know, nobody was telling him to try something again, to, to do this. They, they, they just didn't, you know, it just came out of me. It's like, Hey, this, this is a major re recording. Uh, what's going on? And then right. they, so you're not falling victim to the emperor's new clothes. Oh God. That's the expression I used all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So yeah. because the emperor wants to know if he's naked or, yep. if he gets, or if he needs to straighten his tie a little yeah, bit. Exactly. And I, I was just, I was like, what the hell? Let's get this going, you know? And then, yeah, yeah. So there was a lot, you know, it's the tip of the iceberg, but yes. So uh, anyway. So let me, so, it, so then that, it, that, that led to uh, a trust. And then we went on a, a, a trust in the, each other, musical trust, a camaraderie, a friendship. And uh, then he had me produce uh Actually, uh, I'm a blues man came out that got nominated for a Grammy. I wrote the title track, and then um, uh, he had me produce Roots, which is a great album. Wait, 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 we can't just breeze by you. I mean, we knew this already. Grammy Award nominated. Let's pause for a minute there. Wow. So, so you know, you have this moment yep. where, where you're sitting there with Johnny, like you uh -huh. know, like a hero. All our, I mean, he's a hero to everyone who's ever even looked at a guitar, yes, and now. A short time later, thanks to that, thanks to the XFL. Yeah. You know, right? Indirectly. Yeah. What was that like to be to get that nomination for a grant? Well, that 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 was a performance nomination, but that album, uh, I think it had two or three songs that I had written. Um, I remember uh, I was I forget it was on the throughway or something like that. And we got the call, and it was like, guess what? It just it got nominated. It didn't win, but it got nominated. I was like, wow, this whole that's fuck. good enough. That's more what than the... enough. And yeah. then, and then he asked me later on to produce Roots, which was the show that we went on Letterman for, right? In that album, and that had Warren Haynes and Sonny Landreth, and I got Johnny that record deal, and then, uh, and then step back. That was the biggie. That's the one that got he and I the, the actual Grammy, the win. Wow. And then after Johnny passed, I worked with Joe Lewis Walker, and I got another uh, Grammy nomination for producing and performing on Joe Lewis Walker's album. That, what a – you know, you're still going strong, but let's let's pause for a minute. What a, <laughs> what a career. I mean – Yeah, yeah, just that. You know, it's like it, – Holy it, crap. But you just yeah. you just kind of do it, and it, the stuff stacks up, and then you do an interview, and then you're reminded of the stuff, and it's like – Jesus, really? I, wow. <laughs> Is this, are, we, are we really talking about me? Right. Yeah. 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 It's like, well, I got to, I got to head to Kansas City, but great. Yeah. I mean, you've got two nominations and an, I mean, you've won a Grammy. And, yeah. And, and, and uh, a KBA, a Blues Music Award, all the, all those, all the. Oh, I, I, I studied you. We've got your Wikipedia is five pages long in small fonts over here. I mean, 
I know. We knew we knew these accomplishments even before you were kind enough to come on our show. Yeah. Uh, but that that's just so amazing. It's you know you know uh, it just and it wasn't a, it wasn't a long period of time. People think you know I was with Johnny and I was at Woodstock. No 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 no. I joined, <laughs> I joined Johnny in like two thousand one. Okay. So it's like Johnny was twenty years younger than Muddy Waters when he played with Muddy. You know, he was like a little kid, so I was kind of like yeah. a little kid going in there. You're kind of like Muddy's grandson. Yeah, right. I'm only being a, I'm only being a little silly with that. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, they they say that I helped Johnny the way that Johnny helped Muddy, and that's a huge. Oh, I, what a compliment! That, I, that's, that's unbelievable. Pretty, yeah, yeah. That's, Scott, that's Scott's in the back room clapping, but it's quite sincerely. Yeah. Um, but but these 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 artists that I played with that I read in about magazines and, you know, studied and, uh, the, 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 you know, meeting them or re being on recordings or, or playing with them live on stage. And still, still now, you know, I'll meet a traditional blues artist or someone and I'll be just, Oh my God, that's, that's this one or so-and-so. And he played right. this, that. it's like, to me, it's like collecting baseball cards of, of your but, life, you know? But you, but you know what? You're one of them now. You've well, been one of them. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You you no, okay. not 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 like that uh that hesitancy. You 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 won a Grammy. I mean, I know, I know. It is it is the height of yeah, yep. There's nothing higher. You I know there's not not that field. I mean, it's not like uh, winning Olympic. Well, I, yeah, it is pretty. Yes, big. It is. It is. There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing bigger. So. <laughs> Thanks for, and, thanks for reminding me. I appreciate it. It's cool. And it's funny because we opened the show by saying a nice guy. And it's yeah. a nice guy who's hesitant to accept the fact that he is literally at the pinnacle of, of guitar. And you are. Well, you I'll, I'll tell you something that was told to me. And this isn't an egotistical thing. And I hate to say right. this, but I'm on the tour bus. Right. And, and I'm in the bathroom. And I'm, 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 I'm on. I, I had one cell phone on one ear. And then another cell phone on the other ear, and I was doing some some business, you know, talking to a record company or whatever. And there's a knock on the bathroom door while the tour bus is moving. And they and I said, "What? Can't you see I'm busy?" And they said, "Oh, it's the it's the head of the the Blues Foundation." I go, "Okay." And so they handed me the third phone. Wow. So I get on the phone. I go, "Hey, how you doing? What's going on?" And the, the, whoever was running at the time, Jay. Um, I do know who it was. Yeah, Jay. Yeah. And uh, uh, he says, I just want to let you know ahead of time that that uh, you have won the KBA award from the Blues Foundation, which is keeping the blues alive. Wow. And I go, uh, for, for what? I go, what, what did I do? What did I? He goes, I got to tell you, Paul. He goes, um, it's the ones that don't know why they're getting it that are most deserving. And I said, they go, I, I go, I'm on the phone with, with, with three other people. He goes, that's why you're getting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because as you're starting to in, in sort of in real time back then, explain why you don't get it. Scott and I were, I'm looking at Scott. We get it. Yeah. You know, we, we were getting it. It's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a lifetime of, of amazing. But trust me, you don't, yeah. you don't, you're not in the studio trying to get one or right. you're, you're thinking about the project and servicing the song, making the artist happy, arranging all the stuff. I mean, people, if they don't, 
if people don't know what a producer does in the studio, they're not ready for a producer. Right. You know, I, I just, um, I, I was on a long driving trip recently and I listened uh, to all but the last, I just haven't gotten to it yet, of Bruce Springsteen's autobiography read by yeah. him. And he spent so much time talking about servicing the song, like you yes. just said. And, you know, and, and I think it was greetings. They, initially, they were they were disappointed because it wasn't guitar heavy. And he said, I'm servicing the song. Yep. That's you got, you have to sacrifice. I mean, you can hear in somebody's playing, you know, these little bursts in a solo, you know, a little string of 16th or 30 seconds that the person can do it. Those people get more respected than the people that actually just go, over the whole damn thing yeah, yeah so there has to be some sort of melody or something that that's they have to be songs within themselves and yeah. even the fills i mean everything everything is so yeah. important but yeah hey, uh, there has to be a reason for what you're about to do exactly, exactly. In, in service of the song yeah and there's yeah. There, there's guys that can do it in one take yeah like, like a luther uh lucather like a yeah. carlton and yeah. then there's guys that have to piece together solos. I mean, there's, there's people that double their solos, you know, like Randy Rhodes. And uh, I think even Steve Morris was triple tracking his solos. Really? That means he knew them identically over and over and over again. So we, whether it was double or triple, but it just gives it a thicker sound. Yeah. That's, that's a style that was done. But uh, I love the streaming total improv and going, okay, like Johnny has, like Clapton has, like Buddy, has, where it's just like one take. See you later. That's that's the blues. That's a yeah. that's, that's blues. That's rock. That's fusion. It's I mean it's it's insane. So wow. but that, that's what I strive to do. Wow, that's amazing. So I got I got to tell you, you know, as is always the case on our show, mm-hmm. feels like we've been chatting five minutes. We're an hour in. Ah. <laughs> we'll have to do part do part yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but um th- this scott and i because we we talked all we've been talking ever since you were kind enough to to book a show with us we are so appreciative to have had you on the show we oh, really thank are you. thank and, you and, and it's not it's partly your uh, unbelievable accomplishments and it's your damn schedule you know, you know, like we, we appreciate it too, because you're working your ass off out there. I, I love it. It's what we do. And my band members yeah. love it too. I, I, I have, I've always worked with people that just can't get enough of it. That's a know? great thing. And, yeah. and it, it, it kind of, we get a lot of comments uh, from, from people at the shows afterwards saying, you know, it, it was like we were invited to a private party. You guys are just having so much fun up there that, that it's contagious. And I'm, you know, and I'm not the only band out there, not the only musician or whatever. But yeah, okay, if if they're getting that from that, because I'm looking at the drummer and the bass players looking at me, and I'm I'm playing some kind of riff that I'm working on from the last show, and it's like, oh, you got that, and you put this in, and they see stuff develop. You know, it's, it's it's a lot of experimentation. Like you said earlier, there's nothing like live. No, because yeah. it happens then, and it's over. Right. It's a you moment. Know, it's a you, moment. You listen yeah. to something on Spotify, it's the same over and over mm-hmm. and over. Yeah. You know, yeah. so these these live performances are 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 they're just uh uh templates right. for improvisation and and 
and the real life just happening at a show in a different song order and a mistake or or something uh, that you never thought you could play before or or an audience member screaming out or or, or something a different environment or a different you know so yeah. I I love that spontaneity plus you get to see the world yeah that's true too and you, as you said earlier you get food from all over the world yeah whether, <laughs> yep. whether it's good or not yeah yep, yep. you got to watch that yeah yeah. Well, I, I, I thank you so much. Thank um, you. What a great time. And I want to thank all of our friends here on Guitar Tales for tuning in whenever we are on, either on our Thursday night shows, or you can grab a show anytime you want on Guitar Tales. If you say, hey, Siri, play Guitar Tales with Dave Cohen, we will play for you. Audible, Spotify, uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Yeah, I got I got all that yeah. stuff, too. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, a so it's, necessary, it's a necessary... Uh, tool for everybody yeah. yeah and then we've been we've been um really scrolling all of the great ways to find you um throughout the show yeah. but in, in your mind as we close up what's the best way for people to find your stuff paulnelsonguitar.com and uh just google my name and i'll come up yeah we we, we know that well because we scott yeah. and i've had a lot of fun looking you up on yeah. all social media well right. thank you again this is dave cohen signing off at guitar tales we'll talk thank to you, you. Thank, Thank you. you. Very Thank much. You. Very cool. Absolutely. I'll see you guys on the road. I'm number two. I'm number two. No, I was the second. That's right. I was the second one. The second on Guitar Tales, ladies and gentlemen. You're watching it right now. I'm Big Daddy M with the Amish Outlaws. I got to go back to work. Here we go. Tales, watch it!